What's up, everybody? Parish Orphans Retrogrades. Hope you're having a great Friday, whether you're watching this live or recorded. It's a, another episode of Christian Masculinism, C-Mask, and today with me is my main man, Will Noland, brother from another mother. We uh, Steph says, the sun never sets on the masculinism empire from uh, from from Mississippi here over to uh, Will, where you live in England. Is that Ipswich? Um, so the sun never sets on the empire. Today, joining us to fill in for Elliot and Mike are our two homeboys, AJ Barker and Royce White. How, how are you two boys doing? Doing well. I'm good. I'm here. Glad to be here. It's an honor. It's yeah. good to see you again, both of you. You guys are yeah. representing the, uh, the, the north of America. Now, where to begin? Today's title is kind of the big thing. Can anti-feminism ever be as bad as feminism? I, I, I'm just, there's a context for this show, out of which this show grew, but I don't want to start with it. I just want to, I want to suggest something. Go to Will, then go to you guys for, for preliminary thoughts. Everyone already knows what mine are. You probably know what everybody else's are. But I think now that C-Mask and the case for patriarchy and Will's patriarchy project in England, which is very well known, even with seculars, by the way, England's a smaller place, but but case for patriarchy has been very successful as a book. Staff's book, Ask Your Husband, this show and others like it are now copycatting and popping up. Yeah, Christian masculinism has been so effective and enough bigger channels have borrowed from our idea directly from our ideas here that like, like the daily wire now pretty much half their content is anti-feminism content it's great i'm so happy largely through our, our friendship with michael knowles that what is happening is containment mechanisms are popping up you know the the false boundary draw a midline between anti-feminism and feminism draw some midline or, or geometric median line that's somewhere in between them, maybe a little closer to us. Draw it there is the new boundary. That's a containment mechanism. I think we're starting to see those from both. I saw a few on Twitter in the past two weeks that didn't involve me. One did involve me. We're going to talk about it. And that one that involved me is a, a Catholic containment mechanism saying, let's not go so far as these boys over here. And we're going to talk about that throughout the show. So, well, for starters, can the unnatural vice of anti-feminism ever be as bad as, let's say, an unholy version? No, no, let me say this again. Can the unnatural vice of feminism ever be as bad as the natural vice of an iteration of anti-feminism that might go too far? What do you say, Will? And then you two. Well, to put it bluntly, the way you phrased the question gives the answer because with feminism, you're dealing with something that is contrary to natural law, also divine positive law as well. And this is why going back to the Garden of Eden, when you've got the subversion of the right order of the hierarchy between the sexes, you've got something that's at the root of social disorder because it affects the family and that's the original social cell. So to suggest that a father who might be I suppose these people are thinking uh, too heavy-handed in the exercise of his authority. Uh, maybe he's veering towards being too dictatorial out of 
a desire to try to set boundaries and rules for the family to suggest that he is as bad as a father who abdicates his authority entirely and acts in a way that's contrary to natural law and divine positive law. No, it's not as bad. Feminism is the far more serious of the two. But I also find it strange that you don't often get clarity from these people who say, yeah, feminism is bad, but patriarchy can go too far. Well, what do you mean exactly? Where does this come into play with the cardinal virtues? We're talking about defect, excess, give some precise examples. To me, it just seems like a vague worry about the idea of submission or dominance. Those are the two words that come up. They don't like the sound of them. And it's mainly that something about the spirit of patriarchy bugs them. That's right. It, vagueness. It's weaponized ambiguity. What a lot of these same Catholic critics of ours don't like about Pope Francis, the 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 vague reaction to an overall spirit uh, under one one heading, they'll say they'll say, oh, I think you're going too far. Well, what do you mean? What do you, what do you say, Royce and AJ? Well, well, first off, uh, just as Will said, Tim, you you laid out the dynamic exactly as I was going to point to. There's a difference between uh, a vice uh, according to nature and contrary to nature. And um, so so first we have to look at that. And and but what you guys said really suffices to to take that on. But I thought uh, one one thought I could could add to it is um, you know evil arises. This is at the foundations of it. Evil arises because someone takes an individual good, a particular good, over a universal good. Okay, so I think if we look at it through that lens, that individual good versus the universal good. Uh, you see why people want to make a statement like this. Uh, Anti-feminism uh, is as bad or worse than feminism. It's because in the individual circumstance in their home, they're maybe more worried about the pushback, their own individual good of the pushback, if they if they were to uh, claim it one, you know, if they were to 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 err on the side of anti-feminism, or you could even put it in this way: if you take the the tyrannical masculine figure their their boogeyman masculine figure who who you know abuses his his wife and his family you have a bad individual circumstance even in this case though tim i think what you've pointed out too is even that it's a hyper uh focused individual instance so it's not even the instance across time which one's worse the tyranny of a mother or the tyranny of a father well we could say in a 10 minute span the the tyranny of the father um but we could say in a 30-year span, in a 50-year span, now um, it's probably not even close to clear, actually. It's not even close to equal between them. Um, and again, because now we revert back to the according to nature, contrary to nature. Um, one can sort of roll with the, you know, roll with the hits, unfortunately, you know, bad, no pun intended there, but bad. they can they can take with with a man, they take it and they can sort of ascribe it to um uh this this was an abuse of that authority it's much harder to see a subtle uh sort of imperceptible abuse of authority and it's much more likely to linger and then stick with a person for a long time so i think if you bring that into consideration that individual the individual good versus the sort of universal good right so maybe uh the individual bad that you get with with feminism is a subtle undermining over time and so you might think, well, you know, in any one day, I guess I'd rather have that, right? Um, 
But what you have is you have something that affects the whole much worse. It deteriorates the whole society. Whereas, uh, again, on the other side, then then you have the, the the flip scenario. And so I think you're getting a lot of that sort of the 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 first off, the people are triggered due to whatever their own personal situation or whatnot. They're triggered. They don't even realize that uh, a tweet can can speak in extremes and not be literally meaning the full extent of the extreme. You don't have to come in and go, well, actually, technically speaking, you know, right. you know, five percent. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Right. Um, but. But yeah, you, you you take that. So they're triggered. They respond to it. And then their response actually reveals a sort of uh, weakness in them themselves, which is to defect for the individual good over the common good or to try and equalize them to try and say, well, actually, this individual good is really bad. So let's put that in context compared to this, this universal bad. And Royce, that's, what mean, do you say? Can, can yeah. AJ is saying. I don't think even for one moment, the tyranny of a father can be worse than the tyranny of a mother because one's natural go. vice and excess of, of proper authority. The other one's a completely unnatural vice. What, what do you say? Uh, the original question is, is anti-feminism uh, just as bad as feminism? Is that the original? Yeah. Yeah. Can it be in its worst version even possibly? No, no. Because I mean, the whole... I mean, can the tyranny against a group of women be uh, worse? Um, can can the tyranny against a group of women exclusively be worse than than the uh, you know, the the collaboration and, and sort of corrupt grouping of of women in this political ideo- uh, you know political ideology? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, that's probably fair. Um, but when you when you categorize it as feminism and anti-feminism. No, you should be strictly anti-feminist. I don't know of a I don't know of a feminist movement in history that wasn't corrupt. I mean, there it to to assume that the two are kind of equal on the equal playing field is to assume that there was that there's some iteration of feminism that's actually appropriate or or remotely right. uh, uh, valuable. And I just don't accept that. I don't accept the, the I don't accept that. I've never seen it. Never heard of it. No, I know, we know wanted, has- I, I know they wanted to make it a thing with the woman king and every you know everybody has this uh, this this strange uh, vision of this uh, female led utopia. I've never seen it, never heard of it. There's no historical record of it. There's some there's some sci fi novels about it. There's some fantasies. That's the only place it exists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's okay. So for everyone out there who's watching this, who stays TF off of Twitter, first off, good for you. But there is a context for this. And I didn't just want to leap context first. I So here's what it is for anyone for whom this is abstract. There's a influencer on Twitter named Mega, probably Megan is her original name. And she tweeted the following, that if a man is ever changing diapers, there's something seriously wrong with the relationship or with the order of the home. It is a sign the family has much bigger problems which as of yesterday, no, as of 36 hours ago, had 2 million views. And I interacted with it. A lot of people interacted with it. People are calling in, in the Catholic circle, my interaction with it, uh, diaper gate now. So <laughs> what, I, what I said was, um, look, AJ already mentioned the, the exception makes bad law. So I get what she's saying. Let's not absolutize the particulars. Let's absolutize that principle. That's right. 
Women are now that doesn't mean I've never changed. I have a, a year and three month old. I've changed her diapers a, a couple times, maybe over the last year and three months. But because the principle that is absolute is women do infant care, it's a couple times. It's around one percent of her diapers, probably less. So I I affirmed what Mega said. I was like, this is spot on. Um, I might have done the game where I'm like. Now, just so you know, I'm not 0% of infant diaper change in, in my like partisan view of diaper gate. I'm 1%. Um, but yes, there is something essential to what she's saying. Um, now, this, this blew up. So there was another trad Catholic influencer, Eric Sammons, who was like, he, 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 I'm not going to read all of his responses because for one thing, they just get catty immediately. He's calling her names. He's clearly stung by this, right? Because I'm like 1%. Is there a meaningful distinction? We'll just go to you, Will, between saying, yes, I haven't absolutized the principle. It's not a malum in se, meaning it's not something like contraception where you may never do it, even 1% of the time. But gender roles which are really at the heart of feminism. The first wave gender dysphoria is all about, we need to keep gender roles really clean and distinct. Is there a distinction of degree here between saying, well, yeah, in real emergencies, I've helped out. I've, I've changed uh, infant diapers like 1% of the time. And, and some of the guys that were responding saying, I do it 20, 30, 40, 50% of the time. What, what, what do you make of that? I don't understand the distinction he's trying to make between principles and particulars. And if things are fluid in the way that he's suggesting, then, well, how fluid can they go? Where are you going to draw the line? I think what's been missed out here is the Aquinas and, as far as I remember, Aristotle as well, both take the view that under natural law, everything that happens within the household is ultimately the man's responsibility. So yeah, the the husband is going to have oversight of the cooking, the cleaning, the diapers. Like if your your kids have all got diaper rash or something, or the hygiene's not good with the diapers, that falls on the man's shoulders ultimately, because you should have that oversight. You should know what's going on with it. But you also know that there are proper roles between the two sexes, and each has its own contribution to make to the family and the household. So you delegate and the wife because of how she is psychologically physically the nurturer rather than the provider she's the one who takes on certainly the bulk of that and i think what happens here that's made this tweet blow up is that people feel bad about the fact that that is the way things are supposed to be and they're trying to rationalize how far they've fallen short of it you don't get something like this one tweet exploding in this way unless there's a good reason for it like that. There's too much pressure that's been built up behind the scenes. And the fact that it comes from the trad communities, I think they're defensive. The, the reaction to the tweet is defensive. What, what do you say, uh, Royce and AJ, in either order? I, I, I love that remark. Well, spot on. Yeah, I mean, I just, again, it's, it's one of these things where... Uh, kind of circling back to what I was saying and what what you guys are are are, are saying as well is just that um 
I think first it's like, maybe I'll throw this in there. It's like, you know, prudence is uh, the application of principles to particulars. And, um, <laughs> and I, again, it's one of these things where it just, it makes me laugh thinking about it. It's like, uh, Tim, I thought you actually really addressed it well in a little vi the video you did maybe yes, a couple of days ago, maybe it was yesterday, but um, talking about like, yeah, when you have one kid, it's, it's more dispersed because you're just there all the time. And then you get to, you know, three, four, five, six, seven kids as, as you guys, noble gentlemen have, um, you know, then, then it just, it, it shifts. I think one thing I'd say is these, these sort of natural law things, you, they happen that way without having to be said, unless someone is in open defiance to them. Right. right? I, I think of it like right. this. It's like, so we're, we're at, we're at one kid in our family. So I help more often, but I don't still way less than i know people where it's like the 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 mom feeds the baby and the dad changes all the diapers and that's their way of like well this is how we get equal and it's like i mean hey go for it but to me it, it just doesn't resonate the same it's like you talk about diaper rash and stuff it's like if i'm changing my baby's diaper which i've done <laughs> and there's a there's a welt forming in there i'm like oh man that's tough i guess you're gonna have to suffer that honey you know, I guess you're going to have to uh, suffer this. There's probably no real easy way out of this. And uh, we'll, we'll clean this up as best we can and we'll, we'll keep it moving. And uh, but 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 my wife, she's going to she's going to really care to that thing and she's going to check back up on it and she's going to. So there's just a natural uh, draw bringing us toward the sort of natural balance between it. Yes. <laughs> like I can I can change a diaper, but I I don't need to to prove something more beyond that by doing it even more. I don't know. I, it's probably not even 20% of the time. And we only have one kid. And, um, and again, you're trying I, to explain like why a, a tree gives more shade than a flower. That's what yeah. we're doing. This is, that's what this show is. I'm like, is this a good time? It's a good time. I mean, I'm getting literally yeah, yeah. getting attacked for even distinguishing. I said, I, I changed like 1% for the last three or four kids as an efficiency yeah. principle, but I changed like 80% of my handicapped child, my yeah. eldest child's diapers. And that didn't satisfy the harpies out there, the crypto feminist trad Catholic harpies. That wasn't enough to satisfy them. So I'm like, AJ's sitting here and Will's sitting here and Royce is sitting here explaining why a tree gives more shade than a flower. And, and I said in the show yeah, the yeah. other day, which you're referring to AJ, it went like this. First kid, because it's like a novelty and you don't really have other stuff going on. So like you can afford to indulge that economic externality and it just be like, I'll, I'll change, I'll change them. Some of the time there's no other kids running around. Then second kid, it went down third kid. I think by the third kid, cause like I had enough to do with the elder two kids yeah. by third and, and we got third and fourth together. Cause they're twins. I just think I was off it. Maybe it was non-zero, but it's basically been at, just above zero for fifth, sixth, seventh kid. Cause I'm so busy with the other kids during the day. And like you said, like Will said, one has to actively revolt against the natural law in order to, to maintain anywhere near 50% egalitarianism. You have to be a Jacobin that is maintained, that is attempting to maintain equal. Once you get into, maybe not with your first kid. I, I acknowledge that. My dad told me this too. I only have two brothers. I would change this many for, for Greg. I changed this many for you by, by, by Dave, barely any of them. I, I think it's just common sense.
Royce, Royce what, do you, what do you say? It's kind of a silly topic. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, I'm not so well versed in the, the trad Catholic, uh, 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 you know, topic mill to, to really understand what we're even talking about here. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what we're talking about. All, all I can say is, um, I, I guess I benefited from, from this, uh, unique family format in the household where when my, both my children that live with me now, I have two children that don't live with me now, but when both of my children that live with me now were at diaper changing age, we actually had grandmother in the house with us. And she, I mean, she tended to, she did more of the motherly nursing even than, than their mother did. Um, and I mean, that's just, I, that's just the way it went down. And by the time they were both able to, you know, you know, I was off at war. I mean, you know, metaphorically speaking, but but in in many ways, I went to go travel. I was playing basketball internationally, so you know, I was moving around, going to speak. Uh, I never changed any diapers. I, I don't remember changing a single diaper. Not that I like had some some uh, some strong objection to it. Yeah, just the, the way my life was laid out just was in sync with the natural order. I mean, it just it just happened that way. So I'm fortunate. So I'm kind of out of out of place with, you know, with these guys that are trying to fight to have this, you know, this uh, balance that, they, you know, this imaginary balance that they're dealing with. I never dealt with it. I think, hey, uh, Tim, I want to throw this one back your way. I think where this conversation would be fruitful to go to is the expectation management topic that you brought up in your other video, which is what's really at play here mm. is that people they, they struggle to manage their own expectations. They really struggle to give feedback in any way that curbs other people's expectations. Yes. We're talking, there is a way to do it harmoniously and peacefully, something that, you know, John Chrysostom would be, would be proud of, like, yep, endure it. If you have a, a wife who's in revolt, endure it patiently like Christ going to the cross. Okay, there's a way to do it patiently, but there is, it is a, a failing to not say, Hey, uh, that expectation is is hurting you, right? Uh, you, yeah. Over the top there. That's too much. All right. Yeah, like you said, if your expectation is I have to get these ten things down and I'm overwhelmed all the time, like you're doing it wrong. You're doing life wrong. You don't yet have humility. I know even Tim, you said when you were at the law office and they would stack papers on top one thing after another. It's like for me, I'm like just give me more tasks. Whatever you give yeah. me, whatever you throw. Yeah, I'm gonna do whatever I can. We don't need to, yeah. I, we've talked about this Tim. I don't need a pre-assertive, uh, pre-assertive qualification for this. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need to tell you why well, I might not be able to get to this. If I don't get to it, I don't get to it, but I'm on it, you know? And, um, so I think that's the, the, the thing that's probably more fruitful for people to start to hear and learn about is that the good of the virtue of expectation management and of helping others around you it by, by way of telling them like, Hey, that that expectation is is uh, is driving you into the ground. That, and, I think that's uh, a really important point because you, you you've got guys here who, as I said, are defensive because they haven't done a strong enough job of putting those protective boundaries in place so that the wife feels comfortable in that traditional role. Like, why is she struggling to change all? the diapers why does she need you to do 50 percent of them is it because she's too busy because she's got lots of stress from working outside the home have you not as a man 
put in that masculine effort to create that space where she can flourish into her femininity. I think that's what's really behind this. There are guys who are doing all these feminine jobs because the wife can't complete them all by herself because she's taxed elsewhere. So I don't think the spat about percentage of diaper changing is, although it sparked the problem, it's not the real root of it. The, the problem yeah, is a broader yeah. gender dysphoria. Yeah, and it's the broader gender dysphoria, it's gender role dysphoria, but also on AJ, your excellent point about expectation management, which makes this more a continuation show from what I did on Tuesday or whatever, is could we all just go through and think, okay, because we're all the heads of a household, four, four joint and several households. Isn't expectation management probably the most important spiritual role we do day to day as leaders of those households like in a kind way in a practical way that does conform to principle not not practical or pastoral the way the 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 bishops use it where it's contradicting principle where it's in conformity to principle we're like honey look i if you're expecting me to be changing even even 25 percent of the diapers then then something's really wrong and i i'm going to i'm going to let you know we're not going to fight about it we're i we're pals but you have you have to you have to get in line here something is damaging you that's really really wrong with your expectation one of one of the um Royce you respond to this one of the people i'm not sure it was a tradcat that was <laughs> uh lining up against me in this twitter ratio i took for simply saying the common sense thing she said yeah. if my man would not have changed diapers give a bath to our kids i would have left him it's bonding and helps mom this is really what's behind the weaponized ambiguity the containment mechanism of feminism represented by by you know the people who came after me, I think, is you're, you're cultivating this. If my man wouldn't have changed diapers, I would have left him. She was on their side, not mine. Yeah, I, I, again, there's no iteration of feminism that I would accept. There is no, oh, well, there's no feminist, you know, the, the feminists now or the postmodern feminists or the, you know, the radical feminists or any, no feminism. The entire precept is, is ant- antithetical to the natural order. And so, and, and to your to your point, I think, um, it, it, I'll ask this question to you guys: If if men should have to deal with the revolt of their wives, with patience, shouldn't the the extra tasks and burden and heavy workload that comes with it from the women be rightfully placed on the women? So if you're taxed and you can't complete these tasks because you want to, you know, you want to do your, you know, your Judaist Buddhist uh, yoga or you want to have, uh, you know, story time tea hour with the book club girls or, or whatever it is that you're doing that's taken away from the the main role of taking, you know, uh, of being the mother in the household. Shouldn't you have to struggle with those tasks if men have to wait in patience with your revolt? I don't get why we should have to aid in a bed the the revolt I, I just i'm i'm completely against it you know it's like well i have to wait for the revolt to clear and while i wait for the revolt i have to kind of do this song and dance with you you know with, with all of these uh, uh clearly distractionary things that you just think are important i'm not i'm not doing it 
Oh, I'm not doing it. If you want to go to Judeo Buddhist yoga Bikram, right? Uh, you take the kids with you and you tell your 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 yoga instructor that you're gonna go into child's pose while you change the diaper. Fine by me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm just shaking my head because I agree. I don't I don't I don't know if Will or AJ are gonna disagree. It's a great point. No, I and I wanna I wanna add to it about the the expectation management because we're we're sitting here talking about the practicals of it. Like they're away doing that. Okay, they should make up that time or whatever it is. Hey, you, you shouldn't look at it this way. Uh, let's, let's, you talk about the spiritual, spiritual role of that expectation management. How about this one? This is probably the most important one. Honey, you feel humiliated by the idea that you have to do this. We have to manage that. The right. fact that you feel, feel humiliated is going to actually cause more overwhelming sort of stress than the actual task itself. Mm. It is definitely not the task that's overwhelming you. I, I promise you that. Because in a day, it's yes. not even going to come close. But the weight of the humiliation, that'll stick with you 24 hours a day, 365 yes. days a year. And that's, that's the main thing that we have to look at. We have to sit there and we have to say, "Hun, if no one knew, if no one knew that you were doing this, would this be the end of, your, would this be the, end of the world for you? By the way, and the, and the same thing can go my way. If no one knows that I'm, you know, I got to do this or that or that, or I'm not worried about being, being emasculated socially. Uh, how would I approach this? And then if you can get past that barrier, now these natural roles fall into a natural harmony. They're not the case because, you know, some base popes have said it's the case. They're the case because of the natural law, because of the actual reality of things. And the more you fall in line with that actual reality, the more it's not just it, it, the more harmony and peace follows, the more joy follows. I mean, I think it's oversold the way people try and you know uh, present their joyfulness as a sort of sign of it, but it's like in reality, it, it's annoying because I don't think they're actually joyful or at peace. Yeah. But actual peace and joyfulness is uh, is incredibly attractive and is uh, incredibly rewarding. It, it, Tim, if I could add one more thing to this, I was just thinking about in real time. You got to give me a give me a couple seconds to get get in the swing of things here. I'm in Jason Whitlock mode. I'm in please call me crazy mode. I'm sitting with real intellectuals now. Okay, I want to pose this question as well. <clears throat> Is the modern the modern uh, parentalism, let's call it, another issue that's aiding and abetting feminism, and probably the most the, the, the most uh, contradictory way, because in one sense, you don't want to have these duties as a mother. That's what modern feminism is telling you. But in the same sense, you also don't want to allow the children to grow up at a rate that's that's consistent with your lack of motherly, uh, you know, um, motherliness. Right. I mean, so we have this thing we get we got this kind of double edged sword in America where women don't want to be women. Women don't want to be mothers. But then when they do have children, it's like uh, I have to I have to be over my child, you know, when I'm over my child. You know, it's it's kind of strange. Like we don't in America, we don't let our kids grow up at a reasonable rate. So, you know, as I mean, we're talking about when we talk about diaper changing here, we're talking like what, two two years at two, three years. I mean, by four, Lil Royce was using the, the, the toilet three, he was using the pot, you know, so it's, it's not a, a 24 months. I mean, I, I remember where I was to the exact place, date and time 24 months ago. It's not that much time. Um, but, but the sort of motherly duty 
kind of carries on even after that because we're just wait we hover over our kids way too much in this in American culture. Oh, and it, and let me yeah. throw this one in too. Anytime my wife asks me to change a diaper, I with no hesitation, no affectation, no nothing, go change the diaper and get it done. Because to me, I'm setting an example that this is not a big thing, right? I will get through this in in 25 seconds flat. And that diaper will be changed and I won't be mad about it. I won't be bitter. I won't be anything. Because to me, it's like part of it, sure. It's like, fine, I'm going to model that this is just a, this is a task and, and I'll do it, right? And I think that that further sort of accentuates that like the main problem is all up here. The main problem is all in these things. And so uh, when it's being made a big thing, hey, can you just please do this because of blank, blank, blank? I need you to know that this is this is nothing. This is a small thing, right? Uh, what, six diapers in a day when they're a year old or something? Five diapers I mean, yeah, in a day? What that is that? Deal, what is that, eight minutes out of a day? Yeah. 15 minutes? I don't know. You know, it's not, it, we're talking about things that are so inconsequential that get blown up, not because of the task. Because of be, the humiliation. Yes, because yeah. of the, the... Perceived humiliation, yeah. pseudo-humiliation. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's humiliation that the, that the stay-at-home wives and moms onboarded they help themselves to from their counterparts, women who did get shamed into the workplace, but they're still embarrassed. They're still humiliated by the feminism at home. Yep. I, I want to also say for the record, I too have never said no to Steph asking me to change the diaper. Never once. I, if, if she, but she's just, I think she asked me once with our 15 month old. And it was literally when she had, um, like a nursing infection and she was freezing. She's like, can you do that? Of course, of course. She just doesn't ask me, right? Yeah. So there's that. I also want, but but Royce's point is really important. Whenever you have dual phenomena, like women, even a lot of these stay-at-home moms, I'm learning from Diapergate, even stay-at-home moms don't really want a mother full-time. They're humiliated by it or they want to do it yeah. most yeah. of the time, more than the women at work. The mothers at work, but not as much as mothers for all of human history, because it's so humiliating. So you have that phenomenon, but then you also have the the second phenomenon Royce pointed out of weird infantilization of you said the toddlers and the kids. I would say the weird infantilization, I know this from being a high school student, is the moms especially who probably didn't change all the diapers at home 15 years prior with their 16, 17, 18 year olds. They want to keep them like little girls, but, but weird in too many cases, sexualized little girls. And they want to be like best friends. So I, I would have to think about it. What, what caused the the bridge between these two weird phenomena? They, they pull in different directions. On the one hand, you're telling your kid to be more independent. You're telling your baby to be more independent if the mother doesn't your, want to change but your teenager life. to be more more infant like yeah yeah it's weird i don't know what causes that except for not to be too freudian on everyone's ass here but it's like a blocked wish i think freud says that whenever you get a blocked wish there's always some weird counter signal later which which would if that's the case and i'm remembering it correctly that would explain what you i think it's an interesting phenomenon double phenomenon though what, what do you say well isn't it weird that if uh, mom was to say, yeah, I, I do all the diapers, 
people would think, oh, that's so terrible. It must be so tough doing that. Whereas if a guy said, well, I do all the diapers, he'd get a pat yeah. on the back for being such a great father. Yeah. And it's this strange inversion, isn't it? Where feminism has made it so that the ideal of parenthood now is motherhood. Like they want the emasculated father. They want him to be doing all the traditionally feminine roles. And he gets praised for that. But when the woman does it, then she's either pitied or mocked. That's beautiful. I mean, it's that, not beautiful that she is, but that's that's an excellent, excellent sort of common sense. Can, can, I, can I add in one thing as well? <clears throat> you two have, have modeled, and I think I agree with the, the model of, you know, when she asked, just, you know, you, you guys just do it. I have a different tale to, to, to add to the group. Uh, cause I think the variety helps. Um, I've had arguments before. First of all, <clears throat> I wasn't asked much when mother was actually the primary nurturer of the kids in the household, which that, that time has happened as well. My grandmother, who was more of the, uh, the in-house den mother, right. You could call it, um, passed away. And, and those roles more went to mom. Um, there's been times where she's asked me to do certain things, or I, I would say, voice the frustration that she has to do everything. And I just put up a, a, a brick wall. And I think what I'm trying to point out is like the commercialization of relationships and relationship culture in America wants us to believe that if you, if you build that, that sturdy stone wall in these matters with whoever your partner is, then the relationship is destined to doom. Right. And that's not the case. Right. And th that's kind of what what the woman was saying is if my husband had a done this, then I would have left. It's like, you know, this this kind of overlooming threat that if you put up any real structure as the man in the household, then you're you're destined to, to fail in the in the marriage or relationship. I've done that to, to her. And I said, hey, look, I'm not uh, I'm, I'm busy. And she got mad and I had to, you know deal with maybe an argument, maybe voices got raised, maybe I left the house, maybe she left the house, whatever the case may be. Three days later, it was fine. It was fine. It's okay now. You yeah. know what I mean? So there's kind yeah. of this panic around confrontation within relationships that spills over into the allocation of these duties. Yeah. And the most important thing is that his will be done. And 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 the the um femme trad Catholics, that's a really odd phenomenon. Um, we'll say, oh, his will, God's will in heaven is that men do all the diapers. Um, I mean, again, we're not talking all, but yeah, generally, yes. His will is that men be men and women be women. And the very, all you guys are helping me kind of flesh this out, which is what I was hoping would happen to the extent that um, look what we have. Royce is saying, because, you know, I, Steph just never asked me to do this stuff, except for like twice. Royce is saying, oh, well, I was being asked a little much and I said no, which is the worst case scenario for, uh, it's not even natural vice. It's not vice at all. It's the worst case scenario for patriarchy saying, no, nah, I, I don't want to do that. And I have the prudential judgment, Thomas says, and I, I don't want to do that. And if there's some mini rebellion, it gets kind of quashed, you know, it, it, it lasts an hour or whatever. Three days later, gender dysphoria does not abide, did not abide in Royce White's household. No big problem. 
you know, then maybe, maybe voices got raised if he was being asked too frequently, according to his prudential druthers to do it. Worst case scenario, no big deal. Let's look at the worst case scenario of the feminist um, who was in support of, of Eric Sammons, who wrote this article. I want to, I want to throw some, some quotes from the article at all you guys, but um, the worst case scenario is what that tweet I read. She said, I am in open rebellion, subtexted, and if my man didn't do the gender dysphoric thing and take my role, I would have left him. That's catastrophe. That's a worst case scenario. And remember that that Eric's counter signaling tweet, he was subtweeting me, people, more than even the mega chick, was... um. That anti-feminism can be as toxic as feminism. And here's the highlighted quote underneath this article that came up yesterday on Trad uh, Catholic Crisis Magazine. The anti-feminist trad wife movement creates the same toxic divide between men and women as the feminist movement. So let me ask you, Will, you, AJ, and then then you, Royce, because I'm really using what you said, Royce. Is Royce's historic example from his own household, quote, as, does it create the same toxic divide between men and women as the feminist movement? Because he said, no, voices might have gotten raised because maybe there's an, a rebellion he had to deal with and say, no, I'm not going to do it. That That's my final word. Is that the same toxic divide as gender dysphoria, which is telling young kids that men can be women and women men? What do you what do you guys say? Well. First up, whenever anyone's using the word toxic, I just switch off. Because Me too. You can tell they're not thinking clearly about it and they're speaking like a leftist, that so they probably are a leftist. But what does he mean by the divide? There should be a divide between the sexes. I think even the, the Latin, isn't it? Sextus is like to, to cut in between. So, yeah, there's a difference between men and women. They are divided in that way. But the point is they complement each other. And you shouldn't see marriage and the proper natural roles within it as being like a, a 50-50 point scoring game. As long as both of you add up to 100 and it gets done, that's what marriage and the one flesh union really means. And I, I get the idea that these guys who are wanting more of the feminine roles to be placed over to the man, that's where the real toxicity is. Um, because then you're dealing with what the inversion of the proper hierarchy should be. That's the problem. It's not the division itself. We're talking about are the actual right relations between men and women in place? And taking that example of, look, I'm going to leave you if you don't change diapers. Well, that attitude also leads to, I'm going to leave you if you make me change diapers. Right. I don't want to do it. I'm not going to be under your authority. I'm not going to do my duties as a wife. And this is all your responsibility I'm passing on to you now. I see those two things going together. Yeah, I I, I love, Will, the way you just put that, because that was my thought was, well, let's go to the counterfactual. So he's saying this divides it. Is is the is the counterfactual, the, the implicit proposition that there should be no divide between uh, men and women, because I that doesn't seem to even make sense. That doesn't seem to square, and um, so that's that's my first thought. And then um, uh, the second thought for me is that um, 
when we get when we get down to it with with these people talking about you know the different different roles of people and and whether um whether one should do the one or the other um when you have the rebellion taking place uh don't think that man's rebellion isn't answered it's answered in every single instance and it might not be right before your eyes but every single person's rebellion will be answered you have and and people have a responsibility to try and quell rebellions here and now in tempor in the temporal world so that they don't have to be addressed in eternity right um any rebellion that i have against god uh will be paid for either by Christ through my repentance and my grafting myself onto him or by me for all eternity. And uh, so if, 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 my, if my wife, my partner is in rebellion and I see it and I can recognize it, uh, you know, first off, that should help me be that much more aware. It should, it should draw out of me more of a fear of God, more of a realization that rebellion is, is a real problem. And then I should be trying to address it so that my wife doesn't have to pay for it in eternity. Yes. yes. Right? I, I mean, because it, it has to get answered. There is no world, there's no way in which it doesn't get answered. And do you so think, I think we lose sight of that. No, I'm so, so, so grateful you said that. Do you think that Eric Sammons, who wrote this article, is square with the place, the eight places in the New Testament, where St. Paul makes it utterly clear that just as um, the commandment to honor your mother and father is a kind of proxy for prudential command, like if you disobey your dad, if he tells you to mow the grass, mowing the grass is not an absolute, but it becomes absolutized and it becomes a mortal sin for a, a rebellious teenager whose dad tells him to mow the grass if he doesn't mow the grass. It doesn't mean that he had to mow the grass by as a proposition of natural law. But now it's an actual mortal sin if he disobeys his father. Do you think a lot of these trads or any of these trads who are out there criticizing CMAS, Case for Patriarchy, Will's Patriarchy Project, understand that a wife who refuses to change the diaper when her husband says, no, you need to do that. She is in a state of mortal sin. It's clear. It's, it's yeah, no, I, I think it's a, it's a great point. I think, um, you it's know, your and, point. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But it, it builds on it. So to draw the mortal sin aspect into it, because I think people are totally ignorant on the reality of, of mortal sin. It's been so obfuscated, um, in, in this time. And it's, it's serious. It it's when the will is flipped in principle against, God's law, right? That's a mortal sin. Uh, Thomas says that uh, if the principle remains intact, then it's a venial sin. But when when a principle is is overturned, is undermined at the foundations, then there's no way that you can use the principle to show what the conclusion ought to be because they've undermined the principle. So I say that because the the role of obedience is is a central principle. It's right there in the fourth commandment. It is. Uh, the genus of the species, which is honor your father and your mother, right? And those who have rightful authority, and that that applies to a to a job too. And I I get that we all want to sit here and have the nuance around disobedience and whatnot. And good, yeah, sure, it it, it that applies fine. But the point is, is that there are so many cases where where the revolt uh, against authority is not at all just, and and that's going to be the vast majority of times. And to do that undermines the actual reality that someone even should have authority over you. 
right? That's but, someone. By by the way, for, for men too, it's the same thing, right? Christ has authority over me. If I come across something in Aquinas that I read that I thought was different, which happens to me, I don't yeah. sit there and go, oh man, well, maybe I got to put Thomas away now. Or, yeah. oh, he got this wrong. I go, dang, submit. I literally feel my intellect submit to it and go, okay, we're done with that, right? And now I'm onto this way of seeing it. And the same thing with Christ. When it comes to clarity around me, and by the way, I'm not talking, you know, a dissertation level needed uh, explanation for it to come to clarity. It's like, I get a little bit triggered by something that Christ said. I'm like, dang, all right, let's mine that out and flip that. Because the alternative is that I'm undermining that principle of right relation to other things. And if I undermine that in one instance and then stay fixed in that mentality, my soul is in a state of defiance. It's in a state yeah. of mortal sin. And but against AJ, trads, trads are not the group of people that need to be told this about mortal sin. They're on it in many cases. They, they aren't willing to apply the clear teaching of the church. There isn't nuance for a, a wife obeying a husband. Eight 20th century popes have vindicated it, and there are eight spots where St. Paul says it. Obey in all things. 20th century popes added the gloss, except what was implicit in case of sin. mortal yeah. sin. All things. That means prudential judgments. Like in my household, like Royce said, you're going to change all the diapers. I mean, that that's basically how it is in my household. I, I just didn't have to say it. Steph just wants to do that stuff. But like, do they understand that? Yeah. By insisting on your own word as husband, that you're like, no, I'm bringing you to, to Jesus being like, I can't let you off here because then you'll have mortal sinned and not like atone for it. You literally have to go to confession and, and confess. I disobeyed my husband. And then the priest will be like, okay, don't do it next time. And then the soul comes correct. I, I think, yeah. I, I don't think I would have made this point unless you made it that clear. Does that, does that track for you, Royce? Tracks fine by me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's your story. It's yeah. fine by me. No, I, I think um, no, another, another interesting thing that I, that I've been thinking about lately is um, just how, Christianity post enlightenment has really become in, in, in the most general sense, I think has really become an anti-warrior uh, woman, woman driven religion, uh, faith practice. And it's kind of, you know, if, if you look at America as uh, a, I don't want to say a shepherd, but a trailblazer for the Christian formulation of the nation state, let's say, um, We've come to like this tipping point here in America where this post-enlightenment version of Christianity really has many Christians failing Christianity on many fronts. But maybe first and foremost, the cultural divide between men and women. Um, and it, it's, to, to me, um, right now more than ever, I think people want to have this sort of uh, hyper-intellectual, you know, um, uh, you know, kumbaya moment between men and women on, you know, let's just figure out how to make things work. You know, we are, we, we've come where we've come, the, we, the momentum is, is headed where it's headed. The avalanche has already begun. Let's kind of get out of the, the danger zone. Uh, and, and many men think that they can like hyper-intellectualize their discourse with women uh, to try and find that middle ground. And I, I just think it's the complete opposite. I'm 180. I'm just like a stern, 
stoic fist, iron fist from men is what is needed to correct this. And all men in their faith in many ways is going to be undermined unless men take that approach. I mean, that, that goes back to the original sin in the garden. It's like Adam should have just put his foot down and he didn't. And at, at different points in time throughout history, through the Christian faith, we continue to fail to put our foot down. And and your, your guys, the, the, you know, again, it's like it, when you when you hear a, guy, a person pose as anti-feminism, just as bad as is as, as feminism. It's like, OK, is anti-wokeism just as bad as wokeism? You know, these are the kind of guys. I mean, these guys are 501c3, lukewarm, uh, you know, milk toast, rhino Christians. They've given the country away, and in, in large part, they've given modern society away to the whims of women. And, and they're doing it to get laid, and it's, it's disgusting. It's disgusting to me, you know, on a, on, a, on a spiritual level, but even, you know, for me, where I am right now and running in politics and, and culture, culturally, politically, it disgusts me. I mean, we just we just kowtow to women in every single way imaginable right now. Uh, and it's in the church, too. And, you, Tim, you talked about it many times before and, and the disorderliness of women being the uh, the head of the faith practice in the home. Um, you know, so it's not it's not something that doesn't plague uh, our Christian uh, community as well. Uh, we just like to dress it up as Christianity and we 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 paint the corners. We, we paint the corners of the plate um, uh, to to you know, to at least promote the Christian, the Christian piece of it, but we're having the same exact problem. And if we weren't, if we had a warrior religion, a warrior faith, like Christianity actually is, you know, Peter pulling his sword and taking the guard's ear off, even though Jesus stopped him and said, Oh, hold up. You're getting a little hasty there and healed the ear and healed the ear. Yeah. <laughs> but you could tell that the spirit of the times was that these dudes were ready for, for combat. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, even though Jesus had to correct them, but the, their, their natural instinct from the faith practice that they had already had to being full grown men was we're ready for war. Um, that, that we, we, we've lost that. We've lost that. Well, can I throw one in That's for great. us too? And I'd love to hear your guys takes on this. Uh, but I think that, uh, a, a focal point that we can hone in on at where this, this thing went haywire on such a massive societal scale, um, has to do with the rejection of authority in men circa the 1500s and a certain uh reformation or revolution that took place around there where all of a sudden there was no mediator between men uh dostoevsky said in one of his novels he said uh there are many people who believe in god so that they don't have to defer to men right they defer Mm. to god so that they don't have to defer to men like as a man you should have people that you see as leaders Mm. like like you should have people that you read and you follow them not because of a topic so if we, it, you don't go, oh, well, I like their, I like the topic they're writing about. So I'll read them. You should have people where you go, well, what are they uh, determining to be valuable and worth writing? Because right. maybe there's something in them and, and you should have at different times in your life, you should sort of have maybe one or two at a given time. That's, that's strong. And to use kind of mathematic terms, maybe you have relative maximums and absolute maximums. Eventually you got to get to an Aquinas. You got to get to a Christ. That's an absolute maximum. These guys are, are Aristotle. These guys are are the authorities, but you might, you might not be ready for that right away, but you need these relative maximums. You need a a Joseph Ratzinger. You need a a Dostoevsky, someone where you go, all right, I am, I am respecting and sort of revering this person because you take that out. And what do you have? You have one of two things. Either the person has no authorities or they've democratized authority. So that's the, the Bishop Barron type. 
the dude is more well-read than probably anyone, you know, you know, in the Western hemisphere. I, the number of sources that he can quote, and I'm sure he's read all those things, but there is no, there is no viewpoint that has an intrinsic authority to him. And so you then you you can't rightfully give uh, authority a place of authority to Christ, and so they. Go it's and a say, lot of well, literature and psychology. He so he he quotes from, and it's yeah, it's sure, sure. All the literature ain't Dostoevsky. I, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, no, right, right. Philosophy. But this is my point. It's yeah. secondary. It's all these secondary sort of sources, all these sort of betas commenting on alphas, and there's not alphas where it's like, all right, this person I like and I follow, and I'm going to build out from that. I was thinking of it like this, Tim. I was like. If I ever wonder, I wonder what Tim's reading these days. Uh, I don't, because people ask that question, what are you reading these days? You know, uh, I'm yeah. not wondering whether Tim's reading some secondary source on this or that person. I'm like, he's probably reading Aristotle. And uh, when, he, when he, when he, when he, uh, when he speaks and, and, and says things, the main person he's going to reference is probably Aristotle. Right. And so that actually allows for a sort of freedom of your intellect through that submission to someone that you recognize as a legit authority there's then a freedom to act within it to to bring yourself to the table to go i don't have to worry that i'm guarded on account of 150 different people who say a ton of different things i got this person am i within the guards of what they're saying and now i'm gonna let loose i think when you look at our side with protestantism which is categorically anti-authoritarian and then the new catholic church through through democratization has become uh categorically or not categorically but in in practice practically speaking anti-authoritarian um it's just it's just you know it's turtles all the way down it's just bad news all the way down that's a really good point because it was protestantism that gave patriarchy a bad name because the subversion of the papacy and pope means papa this is patriarchy really it's an institution the catholic church what it did was it made each father a kind of patriarch tyrant a mini pope in his own home and because he had subverted that authority structure then beneath him next in the chain the wife subverts him too so if there is a kind of christian feminism at all closest thing you can get to it is actually protestantism in the revolt against the father so that's where a lot of this stems from but most people don't talk about it and that that's the point that I was making is that it's that anti-authoritarianism that creates the ripples throughout the whole hierarchy. And it is between democratization and just outright anti-authoritarianism. It is just everywhere. And so you're not, and, and that's kind of what I mean too. The Protestantism, it wasn't just that in one individual instance, you have a father who's anti-authoritarian and it comes out. Now it became cultural. And yeah. It became societal. And now exactly. you see the, the societal ill that's that's commenced. I've got to jump off now, guys. I've got a lesson coming up. But I just want to say that I think getting down to this point of the man says change the diapers and the wife says no, what happens next? That is what the crux of this is. That's when these guys would say that anti-feminism's gone too far. When the man says doubles down and says no, change the diapers, obey your husband. Because you'll notice the same people who make a fuss about this will also make a fuss about upholding the marital debt. The man asks for sex, makes a reasonable request. Uh, the wife is tired, for example. Well, it's, it's kind of being too anti-feminist to say that she still has to fulfill the marital debt. It's the same people. Oh, there, um, yeah, the marital debt is what sent a lot of trad femme crisis readers off uh, right after Steph's book, Ask Your Husband, came back. 
and she was like, sorry, ladies, the marital debt is the marital debt. And it actually, it's the one place in the Bible where it's framed egalitarianly, uh, egalitarianistically. But she was saying men, men can't deny it to the women too. I don't know if that's ever happened in the history of mankind, but she said, sorry. And, and uh, there was another crisis article that I think got written about, got allowed to be written and published about that, even though, even though crisis is the subsidiary of my publisher on Case for Patriarchy. Uh, I'll just mention that once, but that's great. That's a great point, Will. Uh, did yeah, you have any it's, parting It's obedience, shots? isn't it? In both it cases, is. it's obedience. That, that's the thing that's at stake. It's all it is. It's it's obedience, which is a fourth commandment thing. Wives have to obey their husband. There's one, we always say there's one by the apple. My my wife convinces me sometimes, but she knows one just just like a like a king's advisor. You have a war, a go to war advisor and a don't go to war advisor. You know 50% of the time is either of those advisors, you're gonna lose. You just want to impress the king by making a good argument, whether he decides to go with what you're saying. You, you, you did your job. And if I if I keep going my own way, because I'm a hard-headed dude, and, and so are the so are you three. <laughs> I know all of you guys. Um, then you still did a good job. Even if I run into folly subsequently in a day or a week or a month, if my wife said, hey, if Steph said, hey, Tim, I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't go forward with this tweet. I wouldn't go forward with this article. And I do it. And I'm like, hey, I'll go back and say you're right. But she does not throw a fit because she is submissive. She's like, I told you and I love you and I just want the best for you. And But she, she'll tell most women, she's like, most of the time, if I do take one bite of the apple, Tim ends up Tim ends up having been right because he's the leader. Will, Will, did you have any parting shots? I want to get into a few of the quotes after after Will pieces out from the article. But are you you good? Yeah, yeah, I think we've got a good, good job of digging down to what's really going on here. And in all sorts of different ways, this comes out as not obeying your husband. And this is just the most recent of a whole long line of examples of exactly that. And that's what the the core of feminism is, right? I think you you talk about in Case for Patriarchy, the Seneca Falls Convention 1848, the thing they are aiming at, first wave feminism, is overthrowing wifely obedience that's yeah. what it is at the heart of it. And it's coming out with diapers, marital debt, whatever it might be. And, and it and it extends even past that to f- just uh, female obedience. I mean, they literally don't think that... They don't even think women are subject to like mortal sin or something. Yeah. I mean, when you get down to it, they just like almost categorically think it's not possible for a woman to commit a mortal sin. Yeah. And that is folly for, for women. I mean, yeah, obedience sexual sins outlooks towards sexual sins uh you know that's the, that's an ascent of the intellect which is the principal area that mortal sin lies although it's not categorically divided by whether it's in the reason or not uh thomas says like analogically it actually works pretty well and so there's so many outlooks toward things that are mortal sins themselves where people are unwilling to submit to the 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 truth as god has given it to us has handed it over to to us so yeah, it's obedience, but also uh, shout out, Will. Uh, again, I've said to you, but really appreciating the work that you do, and it's an honor to be on here with you. Well, it's great to speak to you guys again. Hope you come on again soon. See you, bro. Cool, Will. Okay, guys. If you're gonna peace out, Will, uh, love you, bro, and uh, I'll, I'll stay on. I just want to read some of these quotes from this frustrating right, cool. article. So take care, guys. Y'all talk to you soon.
Oh yeah. Um, AJ, one quick thing before I read some of these yeah. quotes and just let you guys react to them. They're pretty obvious that the error in them, but I, I, I want it as part of this show on the record. And I just will let you guys respond to the quotes, but your last remark, I completely agree. hundred percent. I know what Eric and, and some of the trads, you know, two income trads or, or first wave feminist trads would respond. They, they would say no nonsense i don't believe in principle that a woman can't mortal sin aj buddy you know they'd say but as applied when you apply the law to the facts to real situations to concrete particulars that's 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 you're absolutely right i always say the first rule of feminism is you never ever for any reason criticize a woman and it's in there in first wave christian feminism too i call it fifth wave feminism now but you're absolutely right. And so I, I would just say you which, meant, which is, oh yeah. I, yeah. Sorry. Finish. No, no. I was just meant you meant as applied, not in principle. And you're right. Right. Well, right. And, but that's the way uh, applied is where we would figure out whether the principle is actually there for them because you yes. could take them through any number of scenarios and they would reject what a mortal sin even is because they would use some, yes. you know, gerrymandered conception of it. That's not, you, you know, that, that is so loosely in the magisterium so loosely in it and the the core understandings of mortal sin that are there so strongly and persistently throughout they will be in rejection toward and you know again as you said the first tenet of of feminism is that or sort of first principle that that you cannot criticize a woman i mean that's i'm sorry that's the devil in the garden saying you can eat of it you will not die yep you will not like it it won't it won't apply to you don't worry don't worry what he said it won't apply to you uh Moral sin and its punishments, it won't apply to you. Like, yeah, uh, you're, Satan's you're like, go, wait, you're going to go wait away. until the 21st century, sis. Like, it's going to be gynocentric. You're going to live it. Everyone's going to be in the longhouse. Women won't be blamed for anything. They will on their particular judgment. Yeah, uh, they'll right. be blamed for it all. But in on this planet, here on this rock, they won't be blamed for anything. It's, it's just, it's just a great point. And um, yeah. But Royce, you respond to the okay. This is the start of the article. I just want to point out because I'm I'm petty. <laughs> I, I want to point out how quickly this this article which starts out contradicts itself immediately. It's like a paragraph away. Mm. Okay. Here's the first paragraph. Feminism has been one of the most destructive movements in human history. It has led to destroyed families, weakened societies, and massive gender confusion. While the mainstream media laments so-called toxic masculinity, the truth is that there's nothing, nothing more toxic to culture and a family's well-being than feminism. That's that's the first paragraph. That contradicts yeah, the, yeah, the I mean, title. <laughs> there's nothing. I'll repeat it. There's nothing more toxic to a culture and a family's well-being than feminism. Totally agree. Listen to how long it takes after saying that. The very next paragraph for the contradiction to be introduced. That being thing. said... That was just a token, a token. <laughs> uh, what do you call them, AJ? A pre- preeminent, a preliminary, pre preassertive qualification. Preassertive qualification. <laughs> the whole article now goes against that. But the second paragraph, it gets that. Okay, we got that out of the way because I had to say that as a Catholic trad. But that being said, it doesn't follow that every reaction <laughs> to feminism is thereby healthy. Preassertive qualification. Qualification. Communist Russia opposed Nazi Germany, but that didn't vindicate communism. In recent years, there's been an increased pushback to feminism 
uh, Tim Gordon, Tim Gordon, Tim Gordon, and and those guys. Much of it good, but a lot of it is just as bad as the feminism it is rejecting. This is a paragraph after he said, nothing as toxic to culture and family than feminism. Are these guys are, are these guys big 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 players in the in the trad movement? I'm not I'm not well well versed. This is the editor of Crisis Magazine who who wrote an op-ed after our sword crossing uh in the heterosexual sense <laughs> on on Twitter a couple of days before. Okay. Uh yeah, so it was all and he picked a, a picture of a guy changing a diaper as the which doesn't make a ton of sense given the title of the article, unless it's so by he's, so he's influential. He's influential. Yeah. It just yeah. it just sounds very it just sounds gay to me. I'm just gonna <laughs> say it. I mean the, the the take just sounds uber gay. I mean you know it just, I I don't understand where the impulse comes to sit down and and take a pen to pad and write about that thing in this time. I just don't understand, especially for. Catholics, it, you know, like all of the things in the world that are going on and, and you felt the need to make this pre-assertive qualification style op-ed about how anti-feminism is, is just, just as toxic as, uh, you know, you know, gay it's or feminism. beta male, what a, the, the yeah. line, the line where beta men cross over into homosexuality is, is a, is a mystery, is a mystery, but, um, I would say it's probably a very thin line. And uh, that's just my, that, this doesn't sound, I mean, you know, it just, it doesn't sound genuine. It's just nothing genuine about that. In my opinion, it's just, you know, hey, who are you pandering to? Who's, who's reading this guy? I, I start to, I start to ask questions, root questions about the viewership, about the, because, you know, when you go to write something, you are, especially if you've had any, any, um, what do I want to say? any history, any long history of being a writer, you start to become a reflection of your audience, especially when you're dis as disingenuous as this is, right? And you have these sort of pre-assertive qualifications like he laid out in the beginning. That means your audience has a has an expectation that you're trying to fulfill. Right. right. And, and so your writing becomes a reflection of of their desires. And right. sometimes as a leader, you start to write for the what needs to be said for your audience, just like what politicians do when they get up on a podium and want to speak to something with their constituents. Same thing for writers. Um, who is this guy's audience? And is it is it is it significant? Is it consistent? Is it big? I start to wonder those things. Same way if Mitt Romney gets up on the podium and starts to talk about politics, I go, who's voting for this guy? Who's his constituency? Right. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, and that's, you know, and, and Mitt Romney's kind of gay, in my opinion. So that's just, you know, I don't know. Well, it's cope. It's the cope of political moderateness or what I call in rules for retrogrades militant, the militant moderates. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's a mag. It's an online mag that that usually puts out good stuff. But this mm -hmm. article was for a cope, heavy cope for. Trads who know they're not meeting the mark, they're either two income households not meeting the mark or maybe one income household. Maybe the dad earns the money, but is still being cuckolded at home or, or, or bossed around at home and not meeting the mark. And therefore, it's, it's saying, hey, you guys are good, too. What do you say, AJ? Um, well, well, two things. I mean, first off, I, I feel just the pang of conscience like yeah i'm not meeting that mark yet early on in the marriage and uh but i'm not here uh advocating 
for for my situation you know the, the two income households thing we're we're actively you know moving toward it we see the light at the end of the tunnel but um i'm not mean but you're not coping and, that's but i'm the not point. coping you're i'm just like saying i'm i'm working and i'm it. like and i'm like hey i don't don't want it to be the case and i would rather be poor and have the structure in place right than be like you know middle median income comfortable like i don't you know what i mean so it's like i feel like i at least see the trade-offs and there's not a cope but for transparency so no you know hey hey yeah. actually that person's like no all right all right let's get that out of the way the second thing i want to point out though is and you guys might laugh at this i it's a little absurd how uh pointedly triggered i got by his communism nazism <laughs> reference where he said that was a strange reference. where he said communism was a reaction to nazism i'm like first off i think your point holds better if you do it historically which was nazism was a reaction to communism like i think it actually fits your analogy better but somehow you no, started I think with, you might have said that i no, think he said he nazism started, fought communism no he said he said communism was a reaction to nazism that's just not and accurate. it still doesn't make communism okay yeah, it's yeah a, you're right. I but just I was said. just like, again, I just am, I just was thrown out because I'm going, well, no, Nazism is corporate socialism. You know, it's sort of national versus international. It's the reaction to socialism. And by the way, that would bolster your point that it, from his perspective, the analogy would bolster his point that Nazism is a reaction to communism. And so uh, Nazism, that doesn't make Nazism good. Like, okay, that would fit. But for some reason, knee-jerk reaction, he couldn't help but put Nazism in the first place and communism, the reaction to it. And right. then to say, well, but it still doesn't make communism good. You know? And it was like, again, that was just one where it just struck me on a number of levels where I'm just like, what kind of game are, is going on? There's something below the surface yeah. there. It's gay. Fear of that, the world. You know, I talked about the, the reign of boom, uh, the reign it's of boom very, justice. Very homosexual way to go about, you know, your, your, your critical thought. It's just, it's just wimpy, you know, and I don't say, you know, when I say gay, I don't, I don't mean gay, gay, but I mean, you know, it's just kind of like, ugh. it's like, eh. you know, it's like eh way to kind of talk about things. It, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's not, it's not real. It, it doesn't have any gravity to it. It's, it's substanceless and you can, you yeah. can, you can make a substanceless, uh, a non-substantive thought argument sound real substantive to modern people. You know, you get you a, yeah. you get you a publication that has some some credentials, and you go to write and and you structure it all well, and you use some four syllable words, and and you create the point and the counterpoint. You can lay it all out, but I don't care what you do to it. You know, the real hitters can just see through it and say that's just it's not it's nothing. It's nothing. It's wimpy. It's wimpy. It's yeah, wimpy. Yeah. It's wimpy. And I mean the whole. I mean, so this is not a ma an imagined slight. The uh, the entire thing is an extended subtweet of me. I love your point, Royce. I, I love AJ's historical point, but I love your point where you're just like, of all the things going on to write about for a yeah. for a political, cultural, trad, Catholic online mag, there's a million things now. If you're going to write on the response to feminism that's downstream of the case for patriarchy, I mean, kind of started this fire here. Why not a, a raw, raw go case for patriarchy article? Because, I mean, it's a really, really positive movement. It's like one of the only times in my life I've ever seen rightward expansion in the Overton window. I mean, mm. Daily Wire talks about 
how feminism, first wave feminism is bad in like half their shows now. Walsh and Noel. I mean, I'm not trying to spike the football, but if you're going to touch this, why not reach out for an interview? Hey, Tim Gordon, you know, we are Crisis Magazine. We are the subsidiary of Case for Patriarchy's publishing house. Let's let's take a look at the state of Case for Patriarchy almost three years after it was published. It was kind of ignored at first. Then Michael, you know, Michael Knowles picked it up and started talking about it. Then Walsh, then, then Whitlock is now talking a lot about uh, feminism issues. So it, it gets in the water and now it's preponderating. And of all the possible issues you could talk about, if you're going to talk about feminism, it should be under that heading. But there are a bunch of other totally separate uh, conceptual headings that would be really interesting for people. And, and this is just, it's strained. It's, it's wimpy, right? I, it's, it's wimpy. I don't, I don't yeah. think. And the, I don't, yeah. yeah the, the, there's a, there's a constant, there's a constant attempt from the Christian community and from the conservative Christian political community, the, 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 the right wingers uh, that are more toward the middle, the moderate right wingers to constantly go back and try and appeal to the, the, um, yeah, the the postmodern the postmodern post feminist you know uh, impulse. I see it all the time in in, in you know in politics where people say you can't say that you're unelectable because you got to get suburban white women. I mean, as soon as you say that, just go caucus with the Democrats. Yeah, right. I know. Uh, you know, or, you know, and it's same thing here. If you if you feel you have to toe this line, uh, this imaginary line to to cater to women. Um, you know, just to just don't come to communion. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, <laughs> and I say that softly, but it's just like and, and all of us have flaws. I mean, I'm not saying that they, all of us struggle. Don't get me wrong. I'm no holier than thou, mightier than than they. But um, there's some fundamental things. Where if you like you said, AJ, if you're trying to especially when you go to do it in public, right? It's different when you struggle with things in solitude. It's different when you struggle with things in your own personal life. But when you take it to the public realm and try to show people a thing, present the thing, and it's disingenuous, that's a more severe, uh, you know, uh, that's offense. that's a more severe offense. Yeah, you're trying to say, see here, yourself. son. You try to see here, yeah. son, to me, and it's like, my book is published by this publisher. That's fine. There can be different, a uh, diverse range of opinions, but there's going to be a public response. And to watch someone try to work out to cope the fact that they've been living with some modicum of feminism in their lives publicly is very embarrassing. It's it's fine. Everyone, everyone admits, hey, I haven't perfectly mastered this yet. I have a lot of friends that are like, Tim, I know your position. I'm working to get to be a, a one income household. I'm like, cool. I, I mean, like, I'm not saying we're perfect. I'm not saying it's been a decade since I had an argument with my wife that th we're all working things out in private. But yes, you're right, Royce, to say to do this publicly is like needless self-immolation. And it just looks silly and wimpy. No, but yeah, but but Royce got to it. It is it's it's they're they're trying to appeal back to they might claim the moderate but really it's back to the left which mm -hmm. holds the day mm -hmm. they're trying to appeal back and that's i think that's my point around the nazis communism thing is it was this weird like first off your analogy would have held fine if you had historically done it but you inverted it because you're so touchy 
around the topic of Nazism mm, and World true. War II mm -hmm. that you can't even, you, you fumbled the bag right there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like you got a bubble pass and you caught the ball and you tucked it away and now you see the guy coming to tackle you and you started to bobble it. It's like you already made the catch. <laughs> mm -hmm. You didn't need to now get nervous. You might fumble it once he hits you, but you didn't have to, in between, you just got, <laughs> you just got nervous. You know, yeah. it's like yeah. you made a good move in basketball. You're at the rim and now you, you trick it. You know, it's like, yeah. you're already there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so you, you smoke the think, layup. He just, it's yeah, a smoke yeah. layup. Yeah. yeah. But an, an even better example is I've seen a lot of guys make the move, get to the rim, be right there in the air and try and do a little too much. Yeah. All right. And that's, that's, that's the, exactly. that's the exactly. real ethos of what's going on here. I think is, you know, a guy's doing, a, he's trying to stretch a little too far yeah. to appease to some imaginary constituency that buddy, they're never coming. You know, you're you're trying to you're trying to appeal to people who who they're not coming. It's not for you. It's not for you to go and and minister to them. There are plenty of people out here that are closer to some type of level ground that can be ministered to, and and spend your time trying to minister to them, throwing this hail mary pass over into the left of radical modern feminism, and and trying to pull them into Catholicism. Is first of all, this guy doesn't have the chops to do it because they're not reading it anyway. I mean, so it's not, it's not, it's, you know, it's, it's just so disanchored, you know, yeah. uh, it, the, those women, the, the, the radical left will not embrace Christianity and Catholic and Catholicism until they've completely sold out to the CCP. They think they're going to get autonomy or some type of weird uh, women utopia paradise where men sit on dildo thrones to punish themselves for not listening to women. And, and, and then they realize that they actually don't have any bodily autonomy, that the government controls their, their body uh, outright and completely like is the case in China. And, and they put, they're put in a concentration camp, that type of crisis and despair is what those women will have to encounter to come into even thinking about uh, the traditional uh, gender roles. Oh, and let's be clear too. At, at in a in a period of they're not uh, reading Crisis magazine and going, oh, okay, yeah, you know, yeah, okay. He's a little soft on feminism. I guess this 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 Catholic thing is okay. It's like, right, come on, give right, me a break. Right. Yeah, and right. and and the real point too is, and this is what people don't understand about sin and wickedness is that when you get to that point of despair, you're going to flip to the other side. You're going to be on CCP's team you're going to start hunting them and saying they're in the right because that's what weakness and vulnerability does to you. It makes you more weak and more vulnerable mm -hmm. and more compromised. Mm -hmm. And what you're going to have is you're going to have a mini reign of terror here in this short span of life on this earth. And then the, and then the check comes due, right? And you've moved further into the spheres of, of, of sin, of gravity of sin through doing it. And so I, again, the rock rock bottom thing is a, a silly thing. You know, it's like, well, unless they get to that, like, very few people, um, very few people even suffer despair rightly. Mm -hmm. So there's just not going to be some amount of it that gets them to a point to now, uh, you know, respond to it correctly. No, no, no. Without what, I, what yeah, no. Yeah. But what I was saying is, and Tim, then I, you can jump in. But no, what I was saying is for any of them that do come into, that turn away from that, it will come oh, yeah. Yeah, from yeah, yeah. that. I'm not yes. saying a lot of them yeah. will, yeah. but it's, it's just like, it's, right, it's, right. it's just like this. I don't know how many tough guys that I 
came across or or stories where you hear that there's a guy in the neighborhood who was tough, who was, you know, a gangster or, you know, he shot people, been involved in that type of violent interaction and crime and lived his life in a way that was completely rejection and, and complete rejection of God, but on his deathbed asked for forgiveness or shot and bleeding out and asked for forgiveness. Right. So I'm talking about that most extreme moment. I'm not talking about where there's, you know, where's there's this little sliver of of hope where they could still hang on to the satanic sort of practice and then maybe inch their way on to the next day. No, I'm talking about in the final hour, right? Where yeah. where it's 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 complete and utter uh, surrounding you. Any of them that do come through it, they will come through it through that. When you're way the far over there, I mean, because you're almost talking about a set of so- social circumstances that is the equivalent of a uh, uh, of what I would say like a an exorcism, right? Like these people are completely have given over to the demonic, and now they've encountered the most harsh circumstance of that choice, and then the few who actually want something different go, "Oh, wait a minute! I didn't know it's going to get like this. Oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't sign up for all that. You know what I mean? And and it, they don't know it'll happen until it happens. Like you don't know what it feels like to bleed out until you're bleeding out. Right. And you can, you can, you actually have the human intuition that your life is leaving you. Right. You know what I mean? Like people don't understand that until they encounter it. And then they're like, Whoa, everything is a little more clear now. Well, you only got, you only got a little bit of time to, to choose. And they usually choose God. They God help me. Maybe. Here's the moment. Here's the moment in the article where the, uh, the joining of the witch hunting begins. He says, there's another more subtle reaction to feminism that's also toxic. It's the trad wife phenomenon, which seeks to impose strict and exceptionless gender roles in marriage. I, I, I said, there are some exceptions. He said, no, this is not an exclusively Catholic movement and should not be confused with traditional Catholicism, although there is some overlap. Here's... um. He says in a different part, you guys respond to this one. I absolutely think there are certain gender roles in marriage, right? Not wanting to be cast out of the demographic the way Royce uh, said, no, I, I want to be still in this demographic, but I want to make the appeal to the feminists. And I absolutely think there are certain gender roles in marriage, including the husband being the primary provider and the wife being the primary homemaker and child caregiver. Yet, the trad wife movement would seek to absolutize the particulars and how those general principles should be practiced. For example, consider this recent tweet, and then it's the mega treat. And he said, in my own family, my wife has likely changed 80 plus percent of all the dirty diapers of our seven children, but blah, blah. It's like a guilty conscience assuaging yeah. its own fears. Is it not, AJ? That's how it yeah. strikes me. Yeah, Um I mean, it is. I, I'm just, I'm thinking here and, and you know, I've, I don't know, it's probably been a couple of years since I saw a few Eric Salmon's videos and liked them fine. I'm not, I don't feel I have any animus. And, and part of this yeah, too, I feel like I. this is, I feel that like this is a, a sort of sincere Christian charity, which is like, like, Hey, you can do it, man. Like, come on, you can go all the, like, you can, you got it. Like, you don't have to, to bother. And by the way, um, even if you get down to the nitty gritty as it is with most of the stuff, you know, 90% of what he's saying, you're like, yeah, that checks out. Like, it's good. You didn't have to give the 10%. Like, right. Uh, and, and, and what I would say even too, is that the spirit of what you're saying attaches more to the 10% you're trying to give than the 90% that, yeah, you're right, right about, you know, that's, and that's the whole essence the real, of this show. 
Yeah, that's that, the whole yeah, essence of today's yep. episode. Is the, and that's the, the essence of that article. That's why right. titles. Can you it say that, that again? The picture. Yeah, say yeah. It again. He's got. This... Yeah, yeah. I said ninety percent of it. He's got right, and then he gives on ten percent. But the ten percent is, is where the, the whole the spirit. spirit yeah. is the spirit of what he's saying, and and he's making that clear at least by the title he's choosing, by pictures he's throwing. By in the there. picture. So like, yeah. Yeah. So it's like it's like I. I I, this isn't to come down hard as if it's like an irredeemable case. It's like, this is a minor amount, but that minor amount is, is winning the day. Well, and partly it's like, because it's, it's what the fr- Nietzsche talks about. Resentiment, you yeah, know, yeah. that kind of blocked wish, which leads to a power dissimulation, which means, which leads to real kind of petty hatred. Uh, that's resentiment in the Nietzschean tradition. I, that I feel like, I feel like this article, I don't know was penned out furiously over the the 25 minutes after Eric and I were going back and forth on Twitter on Monday morning. I was in a hotel room in New Orleans and I just wrote a couple things and then he just kept going. I feel like he went and wrote it right then and it was only published a couple days later. Feels like result of all because this, what you just said, AJ, the spirit of this thing felt so like... I'm going to get Gordon. I don't think you know. None of us know who this Megha is. Yeah, right. That did the original tweet. I don't know. If be she's an AI Catholic. bot. <laughs> she could be an AI bot. She could be a CIA plant, right? Probably yeah. is, but uh, a creature. But the point is, I there's some real bitterness here, and and um, this is the second sort of anti-Gordon uh, crisis article that's come out, and it's it's the publisher of. You know, it's worth, yeah. it's worth it's worth noting, and I I think he nods to it. You know, you sent it my way, and I kind of read over it. He nods to it. It's like this is the abandonment of of the prelates in the church of the flock to themselves. It's like, yeah, we are tied up with our own personal hangups in our individual lives. And by the way, that's why we have a celibate priesthood that goes through eight years of seminary school, so that you can be like really ironed out in in uh, your internal sort of compass and dip and disposition and habits and data, you know, it doesn't, doesn't mount for you in the same way, but so you have it. And it's like, here's a person who's speaking on a subject that probably emotionally shouldn't be speaking on. Right. You know? And I think we all run up against that in this world where, where you're abandoned by the, the priesthood, you're, you know, proverbially speaking, you're abandoned by the, by the priesthood to address these issues that uh, people who, we we have all, all of our little emotional hangups we have to sort of address everything and um it, it's it's to the detriment of of individuals and the the greater whole and it's it's the the what what we see what i'm seeing happen is that the people with uh the most robust sort of emotional inner stability inner maturity inner virtue are the are the ones who slowly as the as sort of decade this is about a decade now really if you think about the cultural moment it's about a decade it's already starting to separate and rise the cream is rising to the top because the others it's just it gets too uh too chaotic sort of too quick it gets too contradictory and and i've in a sense it's like yeah i have pity on them because they're having to try and address a thing where where they're in an emotional minefield around the topic and and that's i mean I think my point of saying this is that there are a lot of people that have felt in the trad community, in the Catholic community that have felt the grace of conversion or reversion. So they've felt that movement. They're in line with it, but it's like, 
there's still chaos going on. God is still yeah. working in them to solve even mm. these natural things. And you'll mm. hear it. They'll always bracket off like, you know, well, well, we all have weaknesses. So let's be sure to have our, our you know, awareness of right. our weaknesses. It's like not in the same measure and not at the same right. measure throughout our lifetime. And by the way, we're striving for perfection. And, and when Christ says, be ye perfect as your father in heaven, he's not saying like, oh, but, but JK, you know, he's saying, no. no, 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 this is, I'm serious. Like I'm going to bring you to perfection. And now the consummation of it may come in the next life, but we certainly believe that there are ones who entirely skip purgatory saints that have been so formed and habituated to this, that if you came to them and said, yeah, but you know what, what are your St. Francis, what are your weaknesses? Right. Like this is St. Paul. Okay. Yeah. But, but what are your weaknesses? St. Paul is going to give you the most savage response. You know, if I must boast, uh, you know, I, according to the flesh, uh, you know, born of the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day, you know, Pharisee by zeal or whatever he says, you know, it's like, yeah, he'll give you that. But then he'll be like, you know, no, he's actually proving that even that's not a weakness for him because he follows it up, but it is nothing without Christ. You know, there in, in Philippians, all, all is to Christ mm -hmm. and all of it is mm -hmm. amounts. To, so he's actually showing you that even his weakness has been overcome. Mm. Yeah. And so that's where, again, I know that's thrown a lot there, but that's, that's one of those points that draws out for me is like, is like the, the, the Catholic community has that crisis of conscience going on. And it has it in part because we have to navigate it alone. And then we have to try and navigate alone by having taboo topics out of bounds, be it World War II, be it feminism, be it, you know, economic policies, be it, you know, American patriotism, whatever it is. And good without luck. the guidance of the bishops, without yeah. the guys. Yeah. yeah, we're we're trying to tackle uh, taboo topics. The world hates the Catholic Church because the Catholic Church will always be against the world on these taboo topics. But the, the bishops have stood down. Refuse yeah. to defend us or represent the 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 in season and out of season Catholic teaching, and yet the bishops won't do it. Now, in this article, Sammons does the 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 tradcast thing, which is correct, and laments the fact that the bishops have stood down. The yep, yep. interesting thing is, by word count, this is like two paragraphs of the article, though it's supposed to be the selling point in this whole article. It's got like two paragraphs of mention that really. The, the problem is that the bishops won't represent the correct, whatever he thinks that is, anti-feminist push. But it gets like two short paragraphs, scant paragraphs. So most of it in the article is making this point he pettily wanted to make. It's the cope point. But you're, you're exactly that, right. He, yeah. he writes, since my wife stayed at home with children, it was natural that she changed most of the diapers. But never would it enter our minds to think that my changing them would somehow be a victory for feminism and a defeat for a legitimate gender roles in marriage. Well, of course not. That's the whole point. It's, yeah. it, it is a defeat in, in certain contexts if you're doing it too much of the time. If you're writing about um, it publicly. Whether you know it or contra, not. That's the, con, if that's you're writing about it publicly, works. contra anti-feminism. You're right. changing the diaper all of a sudden becomes a win for feminism. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like if you hadn't said anything, it wouldn't have been. <laughs> But now that you've brought it up in this context, your all your diaper changings magically just became a win for feminism, contra anti-feminism. Right, putting because putting you... cat up on a pedestal is yeah. what you're doing. That's yeah. called the, the the putty cat on the pedestal syndrome, is what it is. <laughs> putting up on a pedestal by writing a big article about it. I mean, write about you know, write about the LGBTQ uh, taking over the 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 public schools. To write about. Um, you know, the LGBT, the, the, the 501c3 taxation status 
uh, of the churches being used as a, as a, as a mechanism to bring about LGBTQ federal funding. I mean, so, you know, talk about something that's, that's here's a good a one. Real. Yeah. Here's this a is good not one. even a real thing. And here's a good one, Tim, that you're so good on. It's like, talk about how nature and what we can discern of nature is a combination between the ergon, the function of the thing and how that informs the telos or right. the purpose. It's like, if you want to talk about those original natures, you know, and the, the nature of man versus the nature of woman, which gets to the core of the thing. It's like, don't just be like, well, it's these random precepts that God has sort of handed down and made known to us in the Catholic church as if there's no way for us to discern what these roles would be. And that's, I think that's largely what we were going through at the beginning of this conversation. We were talking about sort of ergonomically, it plays out to inform a telos that we can then draw and separate apart. So it's like, yeah, if you want to talk about, you know, male, the male female dynamic, as you often do, it's like, and, and you feel, and, and you feel a hang up on it. Now I'm speaking to uh, Sam and there's someone, and you feel a hang up on it. Reflect on how nature uh, informs us of what nature is, right? Yes. Think about that. Swim in those waters so that then uh, as ideas, as you start to get clarity around that, the picture starts to become not only more clear, but more beautiful. Yeah, nature articulates the telos and ergon of a thing to the natural reason of the one rational animal. And yeah. so uh, here, here's the last quote I'll read. I'll, I'll give you, we should probably get out of here, but that yeah. quote is especially helpful. He says, a healthy marriage is one that absolutizes principles, but not particulars. AJ, like, but take us out, take us out of the episode today. Why is he missing the point? When it comes to final cause telos and formal cause ergon, because I would say, well, nature self communicates to it, it, it uh, ratio adequates itself to intellectus. So I get it. So because of this principle of women being made to care for young children, men being made to be providers, that's a direct quote from Salmon's early in the article. Um, and this is built into who we are as distinct images of God. Well, so when you have the man doing the woman thing or the woman doing the man thing in particular concrete roles, this is, unless there's a very good exceptional reason why this seems to violate the telos and the ergon. Yeah. So I, I think it's a distinction without a difference to say you're particularized, you're absolutizing particularized absolutizing particulars instead of principles you, you well, guys each take yeah, yeah. one more and crack I, I at it some, and then we'll get out i of spent here. some time i spent some time mulling over that last line because I, and i'll just walk the audience through where i went with it the first thing is okay you you want to universalize principles well principles are universal and you don't want to uh, universalize particulars which of course you can't and so I was in there, it's like, so on the surface, it seems like he's saying something like, yep, this would be a sort of, this would be a, a disordering of the relationship between universals and, and particulars if you were to do that. But uh, again, I just, it, it, it's a pleonate, pleonasm where it's like, it's redundant words. You, you don't want, you want to universalize principles and not, and don't universalize particulars. It's like, here, here's actually, I, this is the, the, the nail in the coffin is that um so one you know you can't do it but but what their gap is and you've hit on this so well tim is that they don't think that particulars inform our understanding of the principles 
Right. That's it. That's the real that's thing. It, it. Right. It's it's that prod in light, the prod in light error of yep. thinking that uh the natural law is not knowable by by uh discerning the ergon and then abstracting a telos from it by or by observing the ergon and then abstracting a telos from it. Like that's how you get to the principle. There isn't the is ought distinction that people which is the same thing the bishops it's the exact same thing the bishops did in a more Letitia. Where they're like, yeah, the ideal is, yes, you know that that remarried divorcees should should you know remarried divorcees should not be able to receive communion, but or or that divorcees shouldn't shouldn't yeah. remarry without an annulment, blah blah blah. But but we want we want to honor the principle and not honor particulars. It's like, well, but we're Aristotelians, right? Uh, hylomorphism we know the principles in the particulars so you can't you can't dichotomize those two things that's what you're same thing eric sammons is doing here too it's like well the principle is that men and women have um different gender roles a gender role is just the adequation of sex specific capacities and body parts touching sex specific tasks Right, like I said in in the show on Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the principle is that yeah, one hundred percent of the time, really, men should do men thing and women should do women things. If if it's not a mollum and say, there should be very occasional exceptions where, you know, mm-hmm. the man yeah. does something female or the female does something male. But I don't I don't make Steph take the garbage out. You know, I I but, do it. I don't make yeah, Steph but- do the wood chopping. What, why, right. if you try to flip the context and it's like, well, how often are you making your wife mow the lawn or do the wood chopping, you know? Yeah. yeah. But that's, but that's, and I think that's what I'm, what I finally sort of got at with it, where it clicked for me is it's like, that's the error for him mm-hmm. is he's thinking that the particular and the principle are totally disconnected. And so we do one thing toward the principle. We want to universalize that, but we don't want to universalize the particulars because the is ought distinction is there and it's real. And that's, that is the, the, foundational schizophrenia at live in our world and in our Catholic church that makes it so that the world is chaotic. It is arbitrary. What is and what ought is an arbitrary sort of dividing reality between them. And once you bridge that gap, once you realize that, no, the is, the is, is what informs the ought and without, and the is, is, and and without it, you're just, you're in no man's land. Then all of a sudden you start to see all the things with a sort of beauty and a calmness, a sort of peace that I hope all of us here today, you know, Will, when he was here, are sort of attempting to model, which is a sort of calmness toward the reality of these dynamics. Again, I think that part of that calmness comes from seeing the is-ought continuum as exactly that, a continuum, not a divide. It's, it's pointless words to even throw in there, so to speak. And um, and that's the real thing there. It it shows its hand at its end where the sort of intellectual errors that divide between the is ought. And then now we have this whole, not only this whole article, but probably a whole lifetime of living that's been confounded by that distinction. Beautiful. Royce, you have a great, great, uh, great call out um, and outro, AJ. Royce, did you have anything? you wanted to add in, in closing about I, this or I, just i don't i think aj laid it out as clean as you can that's um, very clean it's very very yeah. clean and it's it's a deeper look at uh, at this than i wanted to go i thought we'd have the six of us a, a mike i probably should have said at the top of the show mike was actually caught in a summer tornado situation which i didn't even know happened in massachusetts where he's from wow. 
Uh, oh. I live in Dixie Alley, but you know, we, we watch out in springtime. Elliot uh, was having some technical issues getting in. And of course, Will had to peace out. So I thought we were just going to kind of look at this thing and stay a little superficial. But we we went into the ergonomic and teleological mechanics of why, in order to universalize a principle, you have to be willing to um, universalize particulars. Because as Catholics, the principle is, you know, Ratio. The principle is the universal of the particulars. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's I mean, that's just how it is. Yeah. Well, anyway, beautiful. Um, I I love having you guys on the Sea Mask. Uh, ho- hopefully, some day soon we will have the the six of us again together. It would be really cool to at some point do a Sea Mask with all six of us um in one play like in royce's studio there of course we've never i've never even met will in real life he and i worked together on our you know the cmas thing he and i worked together on the return matchmaking every day and i you know he's over in ipswich england it would be awesome though god bless you guys out there god bless you royce and aj catch royce on uh whitlock's show it's he's on like three or four times a week. I'm always excited to, to tune in. Tell Jason Whitlock, hi for me, Royce. AJ, AJ, um, I, you know, we, we, I just, anytime I want to talk uh, applied Aquinas, um, I, 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 I'm going to bring you on because your, your, your shorthand book for Aquinas is it's never too shorthand. A lot of the problem with Catholics is they're like, you know, Aquinas in 20 minutes and it's just too broad. Your book is, great because it's it's a primer that's actually sufficiently uh specific did you want to well, tell me well, thank what, you yeah what no thank you is? and yeah it's advanced christianity and, and then my sub stack's the real thing come to my sub stack it's aj you know sub stack aj barker.com and right now i think i have it as a catholic mind but you can just a, sub stack backslash aj barker um, no and also definitely. royce is is that call me crazy? He he has his own podcast. I've been on it. Yeah, um, yeah. It's not please call just... me crazy. We got to get you back on now that the big three is over and I'm I'm back in town and doing the podcast more. I got to schedule you to come come on for a Friday guest. And tonight, me and AJ will be doing uh, tonight's Please Call Me Crazy premiering at 9 p.m. Uh, Central. Sick. What's but also, the topic? What's the topic? The topic is me and AJ just going off. I don't know what we're going to talk about. <laughs> topic is whatever we want, bro. They might give Trump the death penalty. I don't know what we're going to talk about tonight. No, they're not going to give him the death penalty. But you, well, well, I don't even know. We haven't really talked about it yet. So, But cool. hey, one, one more thing. Uh, Tim, I want to say just sort of, first off, appreciate that comment about the book. I It stems from kind of that realization I had thinking about you and like the mining that primary source. Um. I, I do not read much secondary Thomas literature. I read Thomas. And so I, I then I then bring the insight I have that he helps me or that connects up what he's saying is then what I go with and I share. So I'm not going off someone else's summa of the summa or some, someone else's concise version of it. I'm going, here's what helped me to understand what he's saying. And so I think it makes it sort of, I would like to say fresher more more sort of dynamic maybe slightly you know a little bit original hopefully in spots um because it's doing that it's saying i'm you know i'm going to mine this for what it's worth and i'm not going to busy myself with all the 10,000 qualifications people have made around aquinas right um because you just get you get lost in it and we've talked about that but uh 
a great intellect is better than uh you know a hundred intellects put together or something mm. it's not right. even close right so god bless you guys have a great uh show tonight on call me crazy yeah. parish orphans of retrograde stick around there will be more great shows next week remember get out of your blue state get to a red state do that by going to real estate for life www.realestateforlife.org support this channel through no longer patreon but through of course locals and subscribe star buy the four books associated with the channel by aj's book advanced christianity watch royce's podcast call me crazy watch royce on jason whitlock's show multiple times per week and i think that's it deus volt hail mary full of grace the lord is with thee Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb.